0: You're listening to Local Government Insights, a podcast for state and local governments. If you're looking to optimize operations, improve services for your constituents, and maximize revenue without raising taxes, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership, your source and insight for local government technology. My name is Brennan Middleton, and today we have with us legendary public administrator, Merritt Steerheim. Welcome to the show, Merritt. It's great to have you. Thanks for being here.
1: Happy to be here.
0: So for those listening real briefly here, Mr. Stierheim started as a government intern and rose to become the manager of what was the largest commission manager government in the United States. Not once, but twice. We're going to find out how he did it what advice he has for those interested in rising in the ranks of local government. And what he sees as the biggest challenges facing anyone today who serves in public administration. So we have lots to talk about what's included. What's including is his encounters with three U S presidents and a queen of England and a whole lot more. So let's just jump right to it, Meredith, if that's okay with you. All right. So you were the County manager for Miami Dade County and were responsible for running, what you described as a $6 billion government with 27,000 employees. When you started working as an intern for the city of Miami, my first question was, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that one day you'd be running Miami-Dade County government?
1: Not at first, but keep in mind, I was there for nine years and uh, started out as an intern, Wharton and then I was assistant to and then assistant city manager. The city manager that I worked for, his name was Mel Reese. And he really had plans to be the county manager, indicating to me on several occasions that if he did go over there, he wanted to bring me with him. So, And I knew every single manager that the county had since the adoption of the Home Rule Charter for Metrodade County. But towards the end, I did have thoughts that maybe one day, that would be a wonderful career advancement and an opportunity, but you know, I didn't lose any sleep over it. A lot of things had to happen in order to, you know, to arrive there. And fortunately they did. So when you talk about career
0: planning, like, did you have your career in your mind planned out or did you just kind of take a life of its own as like new opportunities presented themselves? What did that look like that journey?
1: When I got out of the Air Force, uh, I was a, went through Air Force cadets, and I was a lieutenant and a crew navigator. I really, uh, my undergraduate degree was commerce and finance, and I envisioned a career in the business community. And uh, I wanted to go and, and, uh, and get my uh, MBA at, at uh, Wharton. And I was accepted, but I didn't have enough money. And then I had received advice from a political science professor at Bucknell, who advised me to fill out two applications and send the second application also to Wharton, but to the Fells Institute, which I did. And I had made an appointment to go to Wall Street with a two-year training program when I received a letter from the Fells Institute, wow. accepting me with a full scholarship. Wow. I wanted a master's degree and here sure. I can get. he apologized they'd given out the fellowships but i could compete academically for one and i got that so i had the gi bill and i had a 150 fifty dollar fellowship and my wife and children we could survive very nicely on that
0: that's fantastic that's a great story by the way um let's jump over to my let's go back to miami just for a moment like The the journey, you were an intern, then assistant to the city manager, then assistant city manager until you were offered the position as ultimately city manager of Clearwater. That's correct. What do you think was – my question kind of stems along that journey, like what do you think was the secret to your success in Miami that helped you rise to the ranks so quickly?
1: Well, we never had a lot of staff in the manager's office, and uh, so I had a lot of challenging assignments. And um, so I had a lot of experience, nine years. Um, A lot happened during those nine years in the city and with the commission and so forth and so on. Um, I was very intent on continuing to learn and take opportunities. I had one experience where I, the manager told me early on the first few months I was there to go to a beautification committee meeting. And I went there and to make a story short, um, this chairman introduced me and everybody was dressed up like it was a Sunday afternoon tea party or something. And he said, well, Merritt Steinheim is here and he's an assistant city manager, which I was an intern. And he'll have an answer to the question. And I didn't even know what they were talking about. And I, uh, <laughs> it was very embarrassing. I uh, got out of there as quickly as I could. And within two days, I joined Toastmasters International. Now I had had debating in college and so forth, but that was one of the most educational and fun experiences of my life. I even created two uh, Toastmaster organizations in two of the jurisdictions that I later managed. Um, So I attribute that to part of my success. Uh, But I was, you know, ethically, Never really challenged in those nine years, and uh, but had a lot of good experience. That's
0: fantastic, and I want to spend just a moment talking about just the difference in an assistant city manager and the city manager role. Like, fast forward, you're now running your own government for the first time, really in your career in Clearwater. Um, did you find that easier? than being the assistant city manager in Miami or more difficult because you were sort of in charge and what, what did that look like? And how did you approach that, that change?
1: It was more fun. Uh, (laughs) I was happier. (laughs) Mr. Reese uh, with all due respect while he was ethically, uh, very ethical in his conduct. He was an autocratic kind of manager. And I have said in a book that I'm writing that, without disrespecting him, uh, because he lasted many years, um, I really learned, in a way, how not to manage. Because my management style is not uh, autocratic at all. I like to empower people. I think empowering your staff and so forth, giving them responsibility, praising them when they do a good job, and so forth and so on, is a much healthier environment. And I was able in Clearwater to apply those management principles in my, and I was very well received. I had a wonderful mayor and city commission that only wanted the right thing and the best thing for the city. So those six years uh, were just a wonderful experience. I was very happy um, and I was well received. I was very popular in the community and in, in, st petersburg and to the tampa area i built quite a bit of a reputation as a no nonsense but effective public manager right. that's fantastic
0: and from a career de- development perspective Merritt, i want to sp- i want to pick your brain for a moment for so a lot of our listeners l- routinely you know well over a thousand local government leaders like yourself and at all levels of government tune into this show and some of the 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 most common feedback we get in the comments and some of the email responses to our episodes. We've had customers that from Avenue who sponsors the show on a lot of them are like, can you, can you put out some informative, uh, informative content around career development? And I'm so excited to talk to you about this because for anyone thinking of becoming a city manager, like particularly someone who's already an assistant city manager or department head or any really level, like what strategic advice would you give them to sort of win a position like that? That, because as you know, they're, they're pretty hard to come by and probably more importantly, hard to keep once you have it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I have watched, uh, a lot of very young and professional, uh, managers grow. When I was county manager in in, uh, Miami-Dade County, we would every year have seven, eight, nine interns. We would advertise nationally. We'd get as many as six or 700 applications for master's degree internships from the, the best colleges and universities across the country. Some of those people just kept coming up and getting promoted and so forth in the county. Some of them left to become city managers. Two of them became county managers later. First woman, and another young man that uh, I remember meeting when he started. And then several years later, uh, he became the county manager. Um, we had a very progressive administration, very professional. I was not tolerant of any hanky panky or misrepresentations of the truth. I encouraged people. We even paid sometimes for a talented person to go back to college, go to night school. Um, We had training programs. I brought in some of the best uh, authorities in the country, people that have written books. I could mention names that that some of their books are still selling and still very popular to address all of my department directors and my executive staff. Um, It was a wholesome and healthy environment.
0: And you, you hit a key point there, and I kind of want to make a shift just for a, a few minutes. And and you talked about people transitioning from sort of city government to county government and vice versa, right? So after running Clear Clearwater for a bit as a city manager, you went off to be the county manager for Pinellas County. Uh, right. Was there a big was there a big difference in running a city versus a county?
1: Yes, uh, to, their, to a certain extent, because counties are creatures of the state. Um, And uh, they're really an extension of the three-tiered system of governance. And, uh, of course, one of the challenges I had in Pinellas County is shortly after I assumed my responsibility, which I might add, I said I wouldn't touch that job with a 10-foot pole. And that was because they were going through county administrators. The average was about 14 months or 16 months, something like that. Right. Right. Was politically very, very unstable. Three of the five commissioners hired me were convicted and sent to jail for zoning payoffs, Pinellas County. Now the good news is that their transgressions took place before I came, so I have no stigma from that. Askew, Reuben Askew was the governor, and he appointed three outstanding former mayor of St. Petersburg, a woman that was a former state senator, a a county commissioner who was a city commissioner when I was hired. He was one of the commissioners that hired me initially. And, and they were terrific. And we moved Pinellas County out of the stone age of politics and so forth. And uh, we got a lot done. I mean, there's a long list of accomplishments. Uh, one of the ones that I'm most proud of is uh, I got four votes out of five to adopt a tax in the unincorporated area, property tax. And the reason I wanted to do that was because the city manager in Clearwater used to irritate me that we were subsidizing 26% of the population in Pinellas County that lived in the unincorporated area and will receive free police patrols from the sheriff free uh, uh, local parks, maintenance, uh, road resurfacing, and so forth that taxpayers in the cities were already paying for and that they were paying for again in their county tax. That went all the way to the Florida Supreme Court. We won the case, and then you had suits all over the state, 67 counties, uh, eliminating double taxation in Florida. And I will take some small... Uh, credit for that uh, comp course
0: that's a major major accomplishment yeah. you you touched on a a, a moment there early on and that in that sort of response was you talked about tenure and you alluded to some you know turnover and consistent turnover in fourteen fourteen eighteen 14 18 months sort of time frame well after pinellas county you in our pre-interview you talked about how you became the miami-dade county manager and you stayed in that job You mentioned for ten years. Nine years,
1: yeah. A little over nine years, but nine years.
0: Yeah. So, any 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 thoughts on what led one? What led you to getting picked for that job versus many other you know worthy competitors? Like why Miami Dade County and what led? Do you in your in your opinion what led you getting that job? And kind of second part to that, if I can throw this one in there, is was there a particular set of accomplishments and skills that you had that you feel made the difference in you getting that job? Because that's a big big role, big responsibility. Miami-Dade County is one of the biggest counties in the country.
1: Well, I, uh, while city manager of Clearwater and county uh, administrator of uh, Pinellas, I built quite a reputation, which was not foreign to elected officials and people in the know, because I'd spent nine years in Miami. There were a lot of people there that knew me. Um, And I was very involved uh in the community in the chamber of commerce and other organizations and and, uh so that helped Secondly, steve clark who was the mayor of miami-dade county and uh for many many years he also was the mayor in the city of miami and so forth and um, he knew me he was on the planning board in uh, graplin heights when i was uh, working in the, uh, in the city during those years. And uh, so he was up at the city manager's conference. Up in, it was up in Toronto or Quebec. I can't remember now. Uh, and he interviewed me there, interviewed several other uh, managers from around the country, and went back and recommended to the commission that they hire me. Before that happened, I went on down there I met with every single commissioner. There were eight commissioners and the mayor, one on one. Mm. They were pleased enough that I was selected, and the next thing is history. I went down, spent nine years uh, <laughs> in my first assignment as county manager.
0: What's it? What's it like running a six billion dollar government and over and? and responsible for and managing the responsibility of 27,000 employees. Like what's that like?
1: Well, part of the secret is to surround yourself with real solid professional staff and um, maybe I'm lucky, but I've got a pretty good record of picking very talented people. Not only talented at the time that they were selected and appointed, but they grew in the position. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, I had a reputation as a strong, ethical manager. In other words, I didn't play politics. <clears throat> Commissioner asked me a question; they get a straight answer. <clears throat> never lie to an elected official. Never lie to the press. It'll kill you. Right. Right. Um, uh try to do the right thing when you're dealing with a, an issue, whether it's a bid, whether it's a new program, what is in the best interest of the city? What is the, the county, the best interest of the people? That's just given. And whatever that best interest is, as best as I can determine it, that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm going. And I didn't roll over. I mean, I had yeah. some real struggles with some of the commissioners because you'd have lobbyists and so forth and pushing to take this bid and get this bid and blah, blah, and so forth, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bend. I'd hang tough. And yeah. uh, once in a while, you lose some. There's some that really became knockdown, down, drag out fights because lobbyists have a lot of influence with elected officials. It's one of the liabilities that we have today. And, and not only in the state of Florida, but other workplaces but in local government as well right and being consistent because what you're describing is truly
0: your internal set of core values that you probably disseminated across your entire organization which is 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 sort of the lifeblood for how people operate right and then if you hold people accountable to that and you also live them out yourselves you clearly create a network and you create a, a reputation in the industry which clearly impacted where you were able to go across your career um
1: That's well said.
0: You You did meet a lot of famous people along the way. Like we kind of got off in the sidebar in our first conversation and you just kind of (laughs) casually throughout you met three U.S. presidents and the Queen of England. Like I have to talk about that. Like um, among them, what presidents did you meet? Did you have any favorites if you could say one? And what's more? And lastly, what's more intimidating, meeting a president or a queen?
1: That's not going to make me famous or anything. I mean, it just was happenstance. I, yeah. I, uh, my wife and I were invited to um, meet uh, when the Britannia came to port. The uh, Her Royal Highness had a uh, cocktail reception on the vessel, and uh, my wife and I were invited, and uh, we went. She curtsied, I bowed, and uh, shook hands with the Queen and. And, uh, and then enjoyed the libations. That was just a lovely experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I, di- I didn't meet him, but President Kennedy came to the Orange Bowl while I was there and, um, and he raced through because he was talking to the Cuban American community, the Bay of Pigs uh, situation. That was memorable. I met uh, uh, Bill Clinton shook hands with him face to face, had an opportunity to talk with him at the summit of the Americas, which was a huge thing. Every country in South America and the Caribbean came to Miami to talk about hemispheric issues. And uh, uh, the president joined that uh, meeting. Um, Oh, um, I met the uh, president, the former football player of uh, Ohio, I think it was Ohio State. Who was? Um, I'm going to look at my notes. I made notes here yeah. on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gerald Ford, and I have a picture shaking hands with him. I have a picture shaking hands with President Clinton.
0: That's cool.
1: I do remember. and I, I tried to nail this down, but I remember President Truman coming through Sunbury in Pennsylvania when I was going to Bucknell, yeah. and I went down to Sunbury, and I think he was on the back of a, uh, at the back of the locomotive. The train pulled in, and he went up there and spoke, and uh, and I watched him speak. I never met him or anything, but uh, um, so that those things just happened. <laughs> That's cool,
0: Mayor. What was the hardest part of your job, just in general, if you had to talk about it, just from a general standpoint like that, looking back over so many years, what was the hardest part?
1: Um. Well, it's hard to say. I, I had a reputation sometimes when I would read the newspaper and begin to wonder what meeting I was in um, that they were describing um, because it wasn't the meeting that I remember. And uh, that would upset me. I mean, I figured the media holds you responsible holds me responsible to be ethical, not lie, tell the truth, act professionally, so forth and so on, I expect the same thing from the newspaper. And when you don't get it, then that bothered me. Now, I I list that. That may not be my first frustration, but that was a frustration. And uh, the media knew it. And they would say uh, that I would throw a tirade or whatever. But I, uh, and that I was too sensitive. That was one of the criticisms that I got that I was a little too sensitive. I didn't feel like I was, but uh, you know, maybe I was, but I always thought it was for good reason. Um, uh, frustrations too with uh, false accusations, not just to me, but to the county or to my department heads or whatever. That was a that was a bit of a, a of a challenge. Um, I don't know. I, I really loved my work. I yeah. was dedicated to it. I was a bit of a workaholic. Um, you answered going back to one of my strengths of delegation and empowerment. I mean, I really practiced that judiciously. I didn't want people around me that couldn't take responsibility and carry it out i wanted decisions made at the lowest competent level i don't want somebody as a department head that won't allow anybody to make a decision you gonna operate that way go somewhere else uh i want them to delegate and i want them to empower Uh, i can give you memos that i wrote uh, explicitly setting forth my management philosophy so they knew what i expected and i expected them to carry it out in that fashion um, union negotiations were tough. Sometimes they'd be calling on the commission to fire me and this, that, and the other thing. Um, I had some very tough decisions to make. I fired a 14-year, uh, essentially a police chief. His title was director of public safety. Um, because number one, there were not enough uh, black African-American officers at of command level. In a, in a 2,700 uh, manpower um, police force. County police force was a big one. And um, and I didn't like his management philosophy. It didn't agree with me and what how I operated. He was too autocratic and uh, yeah. too slow in implementing change. So I, I had my share of challenges. Uh, I, don't and, know if I answered your question no,
0: no, that that's great. and I'm gonna kind of combine a, a thought here. Um, let's talk a little bit about like controversy. like clearly in like big time roles that you were where you were in at the at Miami date and all all of the subsequent roles, like there had to be some form of controversy along the way. Like, could you highlight any any major controversies that you faced along the way that could maybe help those that are listening like with how you handled that or maybe something to, that they can expect uh, to potentially happen? Like, what were some big controversies that you faced? Well,
1: uh, where I fired that director of public safety, there were immediately petitions from citizens and organizations that he was in, urging the county commission to fire me and uh, bring him back. Uh, And he played golf with the publisher of the Miami Herald. He played golf with my mayor. I mean, I was dealing with uh, someone that had a pretty good reputation in the community, but the community didn't really know how he was running that department and uh, the appointments that he made. And uh, he made commitments to me that he didn't complete, and uh, finally got a point. I didn't. I offered. I said, "You look, take 90 days, go around the country, and get another job, and I'll come to your going-away party and say nice things because he did do uh, some right things initially." I think the department was corrupt 14 years earlier, and he cleaned it up. So, uh, but that was one. I had the second. My second tour as county manager. I'm getting ahead of myself now. I really That's had right. a bare That's tail on the bid we had for uh, payphones at the airport, seaport, and our jails. Bell South had contract on bid for buku years. And i just knew that we could get a better deal maybe from bell south but from other co- companies if we put it out for bid i finally got the commission to go along with that yeah. and i mean it was a knockdown drag out bottle from that point on uh at and bid 70 million dollars over seven years 10 million a year with 10 million up front clearly the best bid sprint Three point nine million, or something like that, and Bell yep. South lowest bid. But Bell South had some powerful lobbyists that were really tied into some of the commissioners and my executive mayor, and they all wanted Bell South to get a piece of it. I said no. I drew a line hmm. in the sand. I mean, yeah. it could have cost me my job, um, but sometimes you've got issues where you just can't bend, and um, and I took it on. I took it on in the media. I took it on publicly. Yeah. Ultimately, at got the bid. What cool. fun.
0: Right. But persistence obviously paid off in the end, It's clearly. Um, so I think that kind of leads us into just kind of sort of final remarks here. Like what advice would you offer public administrators, you know, people looking to serve in leadership roles in local government, just in summary, like, just what advice would you give anyone listening to this show or digesting any bits of this, this content that we'll, we'll obviously share out on multiple different channels, but what advice would you give to people looking to serve in leadership in local government?
1: Well, number one, I would, I would extol the virtues of public service. I would say that anyone in public service, and it doesn't make any difference what they do. I'm talking about people that, Pick up the garbage. Uh, people that patrol the streets. People that protect homes from fire. Um, people in public service at whatever level. When you put your head on a pillow at night, you sleep soundly because you have a. It's a calling. Public service is a calling. It's like a priest, or it's like uh, you know people that are really dead, teachers that are dedicated to teaching, that's a calling. and um, So it's an honorable profession and it's important. It's how cities function and how states function. So I'm a champion of public service and I try to extol its virtues. And I've had influence on people. People have come to me years later and said, you know, I heard you make that speech and uh, it affected me and I stayed with it, and I'm so glad I did. I I have a thought here that I just saw that David Lawrence, who's a former publisher of the Herald and a wonderful human being, he said that um, Horace Mann, the godfather of public education, uh, around just before the Civil War said that, be ashamed, you should be ashamed to die before you have won some battle for humanity. Hmm. What a powerful, powerful. Subject, right? Well, I would powerful. to you that people in public service do something for humanity every day. Some do more, some do less. I mean, I've been my life public service, and I've enjoyed it, and a wonderful trip. And it made a lot of people happy, You know, I mean, what else can I say?
0: No, Merritt, that is that's powerful feedback. And and honestly, personally, thank you for your service and all that you've done. Thank you for your candid feedback today. I appreciate your transparency and just willingness to kind of dig deep into not only your background and history and what you've accomplished, but but forward thinking, looking out for for those that are listening to this and and have a lot of the same questions that I had the chance today to ask you. So I appreciate that. I really do. I, I,
1: I want people to read my book. I'm All writing right. a book. It's a, on ethical leadership. Stay tuned. At some point, it'll be published. We'll, the,
0: we'll I, certainly I get that link. <laughs> we'll certainly get that link tagged in in the in the comments and in the in the in the, in the content when we get that out. So I, I appreciate thank that, and we'll we'll definitely make sure our listeners have that information. So thank you. Um, To all our listeners, thank you again so much for joining us for another episode of the Local Government Insights podcast, Modernizing Government Leadership. Hopefully you found some value from our conversation today. Please stay tuned uh, for more local government news and insights to come. We really look forward to having you next time. Thanks again.
1: You've been listening to Local
0: Government Insights, Modernizing Government Leadership. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think the podcast deserves. Until next time.